The weather was fine in Florida this weekend. Not that I was in Florida, I wasn't, but do you know how I know? It was skies were not a cloud in the sky, blue skies, clear, no storms, no weather disturbances whatsoever, and yet Southwest Airlines blamed almost 2,000 flight cancellations on bad weather and air traffic control. Funny, really funny how no other airlines were impacted by this mysterious weather, this mysterious bad weather that did not exist, and yet grounded almost 2,000 Southwest flights. That's because, even the FAA, by the way, contradicted the airline. The FAA said, no, there were no, there were no weather events that would cause any kind of disruption to air traffic. Well, that's because Southwest appears to be lying. Southwest, the corporation, I should say, appears to be lying because rumor has it, it's a little bit bigger than a rumor at this point, isn't it? Uh, pilots at, of Southwest Airlines staged a sick out. They all refused to go to work or a lot of them refused to go to work in order to protest the vaccine mandates. The vaccine mandates that were handed down by Joe Biden, Joe Biden administration that said that any company with over 100 employees must force, coerce their employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine or else face termination. Well, the pilots at Southwest said, uh-uh, uh-uh, you're not gonna tell us what to do. We are going to take back our freedom. Ladies and gents, my friends, this is perhaps the first glimmer of hope that I have felt during this whole COVID debacle since the very beginning of this pandemic. I have been waiting, I have been urging, I have been calling on people, I have been praying for people in a position of power to rise up, to refuse to comply to these vaccine mandates because I have said time and time again, politicians are never going to give us back our freedom, never. Once they have taken it away, they want to keep it for themselves. They want to keep that power for themselves. The only way that we the people are going to regain that power which has been stolen from us by the government is if we refuse to comply, if we take it back. So make no mistake, what's happening with Southwest, Southwest Airlines right now? It's not bad weather, that's so absurd. It's not poor planning, which is what the Southwest Pilots Union claims it is. No, no, my friends, this is a strike. And we know this because a Southwest pilot who must remain anonymous, of course, for obvious reasons, confirms it. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. It's a strike. What's happening at Southwest is not bad weather. There wasn't even a storm. There weren't even clouds. Nothing was threatening the safety of planes in the air or any passengers riding on those planes. No, no. This was a strike about vaccine mandates. A pilot from Southwest um, sent an email to a very reputable independent journalist. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you exactly what this pilot says in just one second. But first, let me talk to you about public goods. In fact, this episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper to shampoo to pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer like me. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Also, one of my favorite products, chocolate covered almonds, super tasty, highly recommend. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are still so common on drug and grocery store shelves. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. Join hundreds of thousands of others who've switched to their new everything store. 
And I worked out an awesome deal just for you, just for my listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you will absolutely love their products like I do. They're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Liz or use code Liz at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Liz to receive $15 off your first order. Do it. It's great. Highly recommend. Okay. So the Southwest Pilots Union has denied that what is happening, this 2,000 um, flights being canceled and hundreds and hundreds more flights delayed. The union, the Pilots Union says that this is not a strike. They said this is not a strike, this is poor planning. However, Alex Berenson, my good friend, independent journalist, um, he's been exposing the truth about COVID-19 and the vaccines and big pharma for decades about big pharma and obviously the last two years about COVID. He received an email from um, a pilot at Southwest who they underwent rigorous confirmation to verify um, who this person was, to verify, to make sure that they, that this person was in fact who they said that they were, a pilot at Southwest, passed the veracity test. And this is what Alex Berenson writes about um, the email from the pilot. He says, essentially, the union cannot organize. By the way, let me even back up myself for a second. This, what I'm about to read you is Alex Berenson's words, and he's paraphrasing the email directly from the pilot who needed it to be paraphrased, obviously, for anonymity. So this is Berenson. Essentially, the union cannot organize or even acknowledge the sick out because doing so would make it an illegal job action. Years ago, Southwest and its pilots had a rough negotiation, and the union would not even let the pilots internally discuss the possibility of working to rule, which would have slowed Southwest to a crawl. But at the moment, the pilots don't even have to talk to each other about what they're doing. The anger internally, not just among pilots, but other Southwest workers, is enormous. The tough prior negotiations notwithstanding, Southwest has a history of decent labor relations. And workers believe the company should stand up for them against the mandate. Telling pilots in particular to comply or face termination has backfired. Meanwhile, Southwest has more flexibility than it has acknowledged. Federal contracts represent about 3% of its revenue. But even the Biden administration cannot, I repeat, cannot alter existing contracts. Please note, Berenson says, I have not checked this, though it seems reasonable. Southwest is only at risk of losing future contracts. So Berenson concludes, this pilot believes that the fact that the airline received $25 billion in no strings attached cash for payroll support last year, as well as another $25 billion in loans, has made them particularly reluctant to stand up to the Biden administration. Southwest's CEO, Gary Kelly, may be in a especially tough spot since he's the head of the airline lobbying group, end quote. So that leaves it, of course, then to the pilots to take action the way that they're taking action, to stage this sick out. It is a sick out. It certainly is a sick out. In other words, it's an unofficial strike here because their union won't stand up for them and the CEO of Southwest already received government money. So if this, by the way, just a little tangential point here. If this is not a lesson in why you don't receive no strings attached government money, then I don't know what is. Because there is no such thing as no strings attached government money. When the government gives you money, you will be beholden to the government and they will call in their favor. They will expect you to comply. They will expect you to be their kept person. And that's maybe what Southwest CEO is dealing with right now. So thank goodness for the pilots. Here's the other thing. Joe Biden's vaccine mandates, the obviously unconstitutional, obviously illegal OSHA mandate that uses the emergency temporary standard to claim that all businesses with over 100 employees must coerce their employees to be vaccinated, using, by the way, private industry as the enforcer. Did you know that this isn't actually even a mandate? No, we all assumed that this would come in the form of an executive order, 
illegal or unconstitutional though it might be. No, 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 no. There's not even an executive order from Joe Biden. Nothing. This was just an announcement. He just literally got on and live streamed online on Facebook to the American people on the airwaves, on cable news. This one amounts to essentially a press release. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. As I said, this is the first spark of hope that I have felt um, since COVID began. Because to be honest, I have felt a little bit discouraged because I keep, I keep thinking over the past year and a half, I keep thinking, well, surely this is a red line. When children are forced to wear masks, surely that's a red line. When vaccinated people are told that they still can't do X, Y, and Z, surely this is a red line. Surely it's a red line when Fauci has been caught lying to us time and time again. Surely, you know, everything that we have been told that hasn't been true, that the infection fatality rate, the, you know, the ICUs overflowing in hospitals, all of these things that just didn't come to fruition, surely the American people at some point when their businesses are closed down, they're not allowed to go to church. You know, they're told they can't even get together for holidays. They're not allowed to be with their parents as they're dying in the hospital. Surely each and every one of these things will be a red line and people will say, stop, enough. But it hasn't. There've certainly been some people who have been, for lack of a better word, red-pilled. There've been more people who are pushing back against the government, but there hasn't been this mass lack of compliance that's necessary to tell the government and to tell government bureaucrats that we will not comply. It hasn't happened, but this is the only way to do it. Southwest, I mean, this should be a vanguard for the rest of the company. The only way, how do we get rid of vaccine mandates? Three words, do not comply. We can fight these mandates in court, and we should. We can fight these mandates at the ballot box, and we obviously should. But the only way to really, truly stop this horrible tyranny is to stop obeying, to stop complying, to stop being afraid, to be willing to be uncomfortable in a situation, to be willing to risk something. Because we know politicians will continue to steal our freedom for as long as we let them. Politicians aren't gonna voluntarily give back our freedom. We have to take it back ourselves. For mask mandates, and now for vaccine man mandates, that means stop complying. And when people like the Southwest pilots stop complying, you bet the Democrats are scared. And you know how I know? Because the mainstream media, the PR firm of the left, the lackeys of the radical leftists, oh, their spin machine starts worrying. Their spin machine starts spitting out all kinds of lies. I mean, the mainstream media is supposed to be made up of journalists, right? Journalists are supposed to look for the truth. They're supposed to report the facts. They're supposed to uncover lies, expose corruption. But what do the mainstream media talking heads do in the face of the Southwest strike? They lie. They echo the lies from Southwest itself. It's weather, they say. It's air traffic control, they say. It's poor planning, they say. It's what it's not, they tell you. What it's absolutely, positively, definitely not is a strike. What it's not about, obviously, is a vaccine mandate because Southwest pilots would never do that to the public, they say. They'd never put other people in danger. Blah, 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 blah. The mainstream media is lying. And that's how we know that Democrats are scared and they should be because this is the only way to take back our freedom. The only way to end vaccine mandates is to refuse to comply when you're in a position of influence and power and ask, the, I mean, the entire economy is affected, but ask every single person on every single one of that 2,000 and counting Southwest flights that were canceled, that hurts when your flight's canceled. You're in a position of power if you have the power to stop that amount of air travel. 
Thank you to the Southwest pilots. We absolutely support this strike. The mainstream media, though, this is what they do. The mainstream media lies. They lie to cover the tales of the Democrats. I mean, we um, we saw that this past weekend, too, the Department of Justice announced that they're not going to charge the police officer who shot Jacob Blake. You remember the Jacob Blake story? Um, the mainstream media played a huge part in perpetuating this lie. This I call it a Black Lives Matter lie because it fomented incredible hatred against police officer officers, which led to more homicides, more homicides of black people. Kenosha, Wisconsin, literally burned after this happened. Remember, remember the story of Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was reported. There was a 911 call where a woman said that Jacob Blake had stolen her keys. Jacob Blake had a warrant for his arrest, so police officers came to address the situation. Jacob Blake resisted arrest. He resisted arrest. He had a knife in his vehicle. He tried to get the knife. He tried to drive away, and police shot him when he was reaching for his weapon. In the wake of this, Oh, it wasn't reported accurately. What did the mainstream media say? Unarmed black man shot by police. Unarmed black man shot by police. Unarmed, unarmed, unarmed. That's all we heard from the mainstream media, this lie that made it seem like it was a horrible, horrible thing. And it is a horrible thing when anyone's shot. That's true. But what's not true, this was not an innocent unarmed black man who was shot by police who shot him just because of his black skin. That was a lie. And the Department of Justice is essentially acknowledging that that was a lie because they say they will not charge the police officer who shot Blake. In fact, that police officer returned to duty months ago. But did the mainstream media ever revoke their lies? Did they ever say, wait a second, we were wrong. We perpetuated this horrible, this horrible BLM lie that not only led to the burning of Kenosha, Wisconsin, it led to more homicides, more violence, more racial divide. No, no. The mainstream media lied. They lied to protect Democrats because Democrats want the Black Lives Matter narrative to be true. They want it to be true and they want it to continue because that kind of anger, that kind of divide, that kind of racist narrative actually helps them, helps the Democrats achieve their agenda. And so in the past few days, when the Department of Justice announced that they're not going to charge the officer with anything, anything on the federal level, the mainstream media ignored it because it did not helped their agenda, it exposed their lies. It exposed their lies. The double standard from the mainstream media is absolutely shocking because the mainstream media still treats Jacob Blake like he was a hero versus a man who was harassing a woman, trying to steal her car, putting his children who were in the car when he tried to escape, when he was resisting arrest, when he grabbed for his knife, his children were in that vehicle. He put them in danger. What a horrible, horrible, awful father. A horrible, awful man. The mainstream media still acts like he's a victim, that he's some kind of hero, that he's, you know, a poster child for this BLM narrative that's false. And yet, down in Texas, when a school shooter shot a teacher, shot multiple students, you didn't hear much about this story, did you? This shooter was out on bail after being arrested. The next day, he was out on bail after committing this atrocity. I know. Innocence until proven guilty, out on bail after a school shooting, partying, posting pictures of himself partying on social media, and the mainstream media doesn't say a word? Are you joking? His family says that the shooter was bullied for, quote, being financially blessed. But early reports say that perhaps this young man was a drug dealer. Maybe the deal went bad. So what if he were white? What if this shooter were white? 
what would happen then? If he was out on bail after committing a school shooting, there would be riots in the street, riots. The gun control fanatics, the Black Lives Matter fanatics, they'd be enraged. The mainstream media would headline this and talk about this for months. So where are the headlines? Where's the outrage? Where are the protests? Where are the riots? Where's the activism? Where's the left? Where are the Democrats? Where's the mainstream media? Completely absent because it doesn't fit their narrative. This is what the mainstream media does. They lie and they spin and they cheat and they bury in order to protect the radical leftist ideology. It's horrifying. Also horrifying is the reality. So we can talk a lot about vaccine passports, right? They're happening in New York City. They're happening in San Francisco. They're happening now in Los Angeles, including, by the way, children, 12-year-olds are now required to have a vaccine passport, even though it's uh, the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine for 12-year-olds is only emergency use authorization, still required if children want to take part in society. Absolutely horrific. But it's much, much worse. In Lithuania, the reality of absolutely universal vaccine passports is horrifying. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk to you about restricted. Should big tech have the power to control what we see, what we hear, and perhaps even what we think? Now, you all know my feelings on this. I've been shut down by big tech repeatedly, consistently demonetized on Facebook. And sometimes I even have to self-censor my show on YouTube so that they don't delete my channel. Big tech tyranny, however, it actually shouldn't be a partisan issue. My friends at PragerU just released a new documentary called Restricted. It's a fantastic deep dive into why big tech censorship is a problem that affects all of us, regardless of party affiliation. You can watch the new film right now at PragerU.com slash Restricted. They talked to YouTube comedian J.P. Sears. They talked to a former Facebook employee. They talked to Locals founder Dave Rubin, policy experts, and more. All people who are intimately familiar with the inner workings of big tech. How we got to this point and what we can or cannot do to stop this tyrannical restriction of our free speech. Like I said, I encourage you, your friends, your family, go watch this new documentary by PragerU at PragerU.com slash Restricted. It's more important than ever that we're all educated on this issue of big tech censorship and that we're armed with the facts to be able to stand up and fight back. Again, that's PragerU.com slash Restricted. Go check it out today. Also, bonus for you all, Jay Hay directed this. PragerU.com slash Restricted. Go check it out. Okay, so there's a Twitter thread um, that was fairly popular on Twitter this weekend, although I wouldn't quite give it viral status. So I want to bring it to your attention because it's absolutely chilling. I mean, I have, you, we, we talk about this hypothetically. As you can see, I'm at a loss for words here. We talk about this hypothetically. What would happen in our nation if we have this universal idea of a vaccine passport? What would life be like? Would it be like 1984? Would it be some dystopian reality? Well, in Lithuania, that's what's happening. We don't need to be hypothetical about what it would be like here. We can see for ourselves what it is like in Lithuania. So a man named Gluboko Lietuva in Lithuania posted the following. This is about vaccine passports and his family's life. He says, and I quote, with no COVID pass, my wife and I are banished from society. We have no income. Banned from most shopping can barely exist, but we will not accept authoritarianism. Here's how life looks after one month in Lithuania under Europe's first strict society-wide COVID pass regime. My wife and I have been suspended without pay for four weeks. We can't return to our jobs, not sure our employers would even let us back. Even if they did, our colleagues despise us, wish us on social media, wish on social media for our death. Nothing we will do, nothing we can do will ever erase that. We can't work there. 
We can't find new jobs in our professions. My wife and I have very different jobs in very different fields, but all jobs in both of our fields now require the COVID pass. No pass, no job. This is perhaps the most shocking part. This is the part that really hits me in the gut. He says, we're not allowed to buy food in the local, local supermarket. We may only shop in small stores with street-facing entrances, which mainly sell food, pharma, glasses, contacts, or farming and pet supplies. In our area, that effectively limits us to one small expensive convenience store. Can you imagine, by the way, let me just cut into this. Can you imagine implementing a policy, a draconian policy in the name of people's health, in the name of saving lives, while at the same time, you're actually depriving someone of a basic necessity of food? I mean, I can only think of one word to describe this. It's absolutely evil. He says, the past has wreaked havoc with the free market. Supermarkets, which require the pass, report shopper traffic is down 25% in the, in the months since the pass was imposed. But in the small stores where the pass isn't required, it's up only 0.7%. So where have the shoppers gone? We now buy food in old Soviet-style markets, outdoors, in parking lots, products sold on the street, tiny tables or from backs of cars, produce, eggs, cheese, meat, fish, cash only, no pass required. Not as convenient as a supermarket, but it works for now. Life finds a way. I mean, the photograph of this is shocking. It's stunning. You can see that. It literally looks like a third world nation. It looks like the Soviet Union. It looks like a socialist, a socialist, a dystopian socialist scene. He says, I need to make some home repairs, but without a pass, I can't enter the hardware store to buy supplies. I can't call for a repair worker because repairs are banned for non-pass holders. And I have no income now to pay for outside help anyway, so our home stays unrepaired. He says, we went to the dentist we've attended for years for an appointment for one of my children, but had to leave because I don't have a COVID pass. No other dentist in our area will see us. We've heard of dentists who treat people with no pass, but they're far, so no dental care. We tried to buy art supplies for our kids from a craft store, no purchase allowed without a pass. We tried to buy educational toys in a toy store we were barred from entering. Can't buy kitchen supplies, banal, but frustrating. We tried to print some papers in a copy shop. The staff refused us service without a pass. We can't enter the library to browse books with our kids. That used to be one of our family's greatest pleasures, but we're not allowed anymore because we don't have a COVID pass. Our two kids outgrew and destroyed last winter's clothes. We tried to buy new ones, but with no pass, many stores rejected us. And then he says, finally, my pregnant wife begging, tears in her eyes. A manager at a secondhand store relented just this once, okay? can't let you people in here again. Can you imagine to a woman carrying a child because she didn't have a COVID pass? This is not hypothetical. This is not 1984. This is happening in our world. I mean, people, we have to wake up to this. We have to say no before we get to this point in our country. It will happen if we don't put a stop to it. Australia is not an aberration. What's happening in Lithuania isn't just a random occurrence, an isolated incident. This is the logical trajectory of where we are right now in our country if we don't stop it. He goes on to say this pressure to submit is everywhere and it's overwhelming. Our ability to survive has been destroyed, but no matter the suffering imposed and the hardships we must endure, we'll never accept the descent into authoritarianism which the COVID pass represents. QR codes to enter stores, COVID pass needed to work, government approval needed to buy food, toys, clothes. No, no, no. The COVID pass regime of government segregation and control, punishing undesired behavior with banishment from society is the path to authoritarianism. I'd actually interrupt him and say, it is authoritarianism. This isn't just the path to authoritarianism. This is tyranny. He says, when COVID vaccinations were released, the original policy was education, trust, and informed consent to vaccinate targeted groups. 
the policy changed in 2021. Choice and trust was replaced by coercion and punishment. You've shredded trust in public health for generations. Perhaps forever, I think. I know I keep interrupting him, but perhaps forever. How will we ever, and this, this applies to the American people too, how will we ever trust public health officials when for the last year and a half, almost two years now, they have lied to us, they have manipulated us, they have coerced us, and they're treating us as subjects and not citizens. How would we ever trust a public health official again? Ever. I know I won't. He says, government approval to exist in society, banishment based on arbitrary rules, recording of all people's movements, that's not health. It's control and power. This new authoritarian control will only grow to ban ever more behavior as bureaucrats push to expand their power. Like many cases in history, our slide towards authoritarian control in 2021 in Europe and throughout the world has fueled and been fueled by hatred and othering, which is encouraged by government and stoked by the media, and it's ripping our society apart. Segregation, blame for disease, accusation of wartime betrayal, incitement, persecution, this is not a history textbook. This is the reality of life for my family in 2021. Our humanity has been erased. This is wrong, so deeply, deeply wrong. Our winter is long, cold, and dark. My wife and I don't have savings to last till spring. But despite hardship, we decided resistance is our moral path. We want our kids someday to feel pride towards us, not disgust. Freedom is fragile, and we must defend it. If not us, then who? And then this. Imagine being able to say this to the people oppressing you in the face of this erasure of humanity. He says, you've inflicted so much suffering on us already. You plan to hurt us even more this winter, but know this, we will never accept your COVID pass regime. We will never accept the control, segregation, and hate. We will never accept this descent into authoritarianism. We do not stop you earning a living, though you stop us. We do not ban you from buying food and clothing, though you ban us. We do not hate you, though you hate us. We do not banish you, though you banish us. We do not wish death upon you, though you wish death upon us. And when the time comes, as it inevitably will, when you too are banished by the ever-increasing arbitrary rules of the new authoritarianism, we will fight for your rights, just as we fight now for ours, because we are all equal. And we all have equal rights to exist in equal society. In Lithuania, the COVID pass is already a reality, but other countries around the world are very quickly moving down the same paths. Lithuania's COVID pass regime is a harbinger of what will happen everywhere if enough people don't unite in principled opposition. Freedom is fragile. It must be defended. And that's the end of it. I reached out to him and I asked him if there was something that we could do, if we could send him and his wife, his pregnant wife, his children, if we could send him money, if we could send him food, if we could send him clothing, if we could send him necessities to fix his house, if we could do anything to help them survive because they are the few. They're doing what we all should be doing. They don't hate their oppressors, they forgive them. I mean, if that, if that doesn't hit you in the gut, if that isn't the most Christ-like behavior to turn the other cheek, I don't know what it is. This is why I felt hope when the Southwest pilots called this strike because we need people like this to be able to risk something, to stand up to authoritarianism because once, it's, once our freedoms are taken away from us, we can't get them back. We can't. Unless people like this, like you and like me, stand up against this authoritarianism. Speaking of Christians, though, there are some Christians who are actually justifying the use of fetal cell lines. The COVID-19 vaccine was tested against fetal cell lines, and they're justifying this use. Um, and I want to address that because it's very important not to justify this. And I want to talk about why in just a second. But first, this fall, I'm headed to college campuses across America in partnership with my friends at the Young America's Foundation. 
I'm so excited about this. At these events, I'll be able to talk directly with you and your peers about the issues that affect all of our lives. Plus, I'll be taking questions live. YAF, as you know, is the master of these campus events. They've been hosting speakers on campuses for literally decades. I am thrilled to be working with YAF to come visit your school. So today, I ask you, if you want to see me on your campus, please put in a request to host an event with me on your school's campus this fall. And if you want me on your campus, you got to put this request in today because the spots are filling up pretty fast. It's super easy. All you have to do is go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. That's lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I always love meeting you on campus and at YAF's conference. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts of my jobs. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. Foreign policy, abortion, maybe transgenderism, maybe vaccine mandates, maybe cancel culture. And you know it's going to get interesting during the Q&A when the leftists show up. So don't miss out. Put in a request today to host an event with yours truly on your college campus, lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. And I'll see you on campus this fall. So Eric Erickson, I like him a lot. Um, I think he's very wise on many issues. I disagree with him, respectfully, on um, most of his takes on Donald Trump. But when it comes to issues related to the culture war, that would be family, that would be abortion, that would be education. I think he has a tremendous warrior on the side for good, a tremendous culture warrior against the radical leftist ideology. But I disagree with one of his takes from this past weekend on the COVID-19 vaccine as it relates to aborted fetal cell lines. And so I want to break this down a little bit. He he published a piece. It was actually a transcript from his radio show, but the piece in writing was called Pfizer, Moderna, and Fetal Cells. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit of his piece, and, the, and then I'm going to show you the truth, because some of the information that he put out there is factually inaccurate. You can certainly make the decision for yourself whether you want to get the vaccine or whether you don't, whether your conscience um, enables you to use a product that's tainted with abortion or whether, you know, it doesn't. But I, I do want to make sure that the information is factually correct out there. So this is what Eric Erickson wrote. He goes, He goes, with most traditional vaccines, cell lines are derived from two aborted fetuses. Of course, he means fetuses, meaning unborn babies. One of these cell lines comes from an aborted child from the early 1980s in the United States and California. Another comes from an aborted child from the Netherlands in 1973. And when I say abortion, this is Erickson saying, when I say abortion, you immediately think of an elective abortion. Someone went in to terminate their pregnancy. We actually don't know. With the California one, maybe so. With the Dutch one, abortion was common in the Netherlands at the time, but it was illegal. So let's pause there for a second. He's suggesting, or it's it's fairly common to suggest that the aborted baby from the Netherlands could have been a miscarriage or it could have been um, an elective abortion, but to save the life of the mother. However, we don't know this for a fact. So to suggest this is complete speculation. It's complete speculation on an area that really should be free from speculation. It's, it's, it's truly just a way to justify the vaccine, to feel like you can step away from the fact that the one in California, the abortion in California almost certainly was an elected, an elective abortion. And the one in the Netherlands, there's no indication that it was otherwise, no indication that it was anything else. So let's just be very clear that any suggestion that it wasn't an elective abortion is absolutely pure speculation. So then Erickson goes, the position of the Catholic church, which takes this more seriously than any Protestant church, is that we're so far removed in time that we're okay. The further position is that even if you maintain your moral reservation, that with the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, you're believing a lie. To say that the aborted tissue was used in the manufacturing of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines is not true. It is 100% true that fetal tissue cell was used in the manufacture of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It is 100% lie to say that the aborted fetal cells were used for Moderna and Pfizer because the manufacturing process of an mRNA vaccine is vastly different, so they do not have to use it. First of all, I know Eric um, hopefully would take this how it's given, but it is very funny to see how Protestants use the authority of the Catholic Church when it's convenient 
for their position, but reject the authority of the church on every other issue, including issues of actual salvation. But I guess that's neither here nor there. It's just my um, observation here. Here's the thing. The clergy of the Catholic Church are allowed to have opinions. Jay has booing in my ear as the committed Protestant that he is. Um, the clergy of the Catholic Church are allowed to have opinions. They're allowed even to have bad opinions, like, you know, the Pope's opinion on climate change or the Pope's, what I believe his opinion on liberation theology is. They are allowed to even preach that a bad opinion to their flock. Now, fortunately, their opinion, especially their bad opinions, does not impact the doctrine of the Catholic Church. The Pope does not have the power or the authority to change the doctrine of the Catholic Church. So they're allowed to preach bad opinions and their preaching may be unwise, and that's a shame because it leads people astray. But the Catholic laity, and this includes Christians all over the world, the Catholic laity have a responsibility to use our own judgment too. And the church actually, of course, in their guidance for Catholics on vaccines, the church actually acknowledges that Catholic laity have to use their own responsibility and their own judgment in deciding whether this issue specifically, meaning whether the vaccine is tainted by abortion, um, violates our moral code, whether this violates our conscience. So it's not, it's not a tenet of faith when the Catholic Church gives this guidance. It's not a tenet of faith. It's guidance from the clergy. And in this case, in my personal opinion, the clergy are wrong here because you have to ask yourself the question, is there any situation where you're far enough away from an abortion in order to justify it? And the answer to that is no. If you believe that abortion ends the life of an innocent human baby, if life begins at conception and abortion extinguishes that life, kills that baby, then of course there's no justification for it. Therefore, there's no situation far enough away that's still associated with an abortion to justify it. So my answer to that would be no. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the factual inaccuracy in just a second. Just want to touch on some of the philosophical. Erickson goes on to say, now that being said, pretty much every medicine on the market is tested against fetal kidney, kidney tissue. If the fetal tissue can process the medicine, then you can process the medicine. The Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines had no fetal tissue cells involved in their manufacturing, but they were tested on the fetal cells of the Netherlands fetal tissue line. The Dutch fetal tissue line, again, this is Erickson speculating, most likely came from a miscarriage. But in the early 1970s, where the line comes from, it was illegal to do elective abortions in the Netherlands. They still happened, but rarely did that material get into scientific research. Miscarriages and abortions to save moms were much more common. Okay, so here's a misnomer um, that you generally hear from the other side, but uh, other side of the abortion debate. When I want to correct something here, abortion is never medically necessary to save the life of the mother. It's not. You can do another treatment, like chemotherapy, for example, that causes as a secondary impact the death of the baby, or you can induce early delivery of a baby if it's a late-term, um, if it's a late-term incident, health of the mother, but actually killing the baby, going in there in a late-term abortion and injecting poison into the heart of the baby, that is not necessary. Depriving a baby, uh, a first trimester baby, of the oxygen that that baby needs, you know, suffocating that baby with lack of progesterone in order to cause that baby's death, that is never medically necessary in and of itself. So this idea that abortions are necessary to save the life of the mother, actually, no, they're not. And um, thousands, actually, of OBGYNs agree with this take. So that in and of itself is not a good argument. So if it was an abortion to save the life of the mother, abortion's never necessary to save the life of a mother. So it was then just an elective abortion. But back to the drugs on the market question, because this was all over Twitter too. Erickson goes, now to put this in greater perspective, most major medicines are tested on the kidney fetal tissue cells of these fetal lines. 30 common medications have used fetal cell lines during research and development. And I want to give you some of those medicines that you've heard of. Acetaminophen, aspirin, ibuprofen, Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol, Tums, Lipitor, Motrin, you know, Benadryl, Sudafed, Claritin, Prisilax, Zoloft, and he goes on and on. But he, here's what I would say, and that's the end of his quote. Here's what I would say. This is extremely misleading because remember, the COVID-19 vaccine 
was tested against these fetal cell lines. And the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, they were tested against these fetal cell lines. They were. They were tested before they were approved. They were tested against these fetal cell lines. So it was a requirement for them to go to market to be tested against these fetal cell lines. Okay, so we have to understand that in a box. Benadryl, for example, let's just use that one. Benadryl was approved by the FDA, FDA back in 1947. It's been on the market for a very long time, right? Well, the testing against the fetal cell lines, I dived into the FDA. I looked at their official records. The testing, when Benadryl was tested against the fetal cell lines, this fetal kidney tissue, that happened in 2005. That happened in 2009. Why? to make sure that there wasn't an adverse drug interaction if Benadryl was taken in combination, taken at the same time as another drug. They were seeing if it would still take in the cell lines, the aborted fetal lines, to see if it would still work when taken with another drug. So it was not brought to market, only obtaining approval after it was tested on these fetal cell lines. And you know that because in 1947, that was significantly before the 1970s abortion in the Netherlands or the 1980s abortion, um, in California that led to, you know, these, these particular cell lines. The same thing with acetaminophen, actually. I looked into that one, too. Acetaminophen's been on the market for a long time, but the testing against the fetal cell lines, that didn't happen until 2017. So that actually has no bearing. If it's tested afterward, after it's brought to market, if it wasn't, if the testing against fetal cell lines wasn't part of the approval process, then it has absolutely no bearing on the drug itself. Like, you could test a green bean casserole against fetal cell lines now. It wouldn't have anything to do with the green beans when they were grown. It's, this is actually, this, this argument that Erickson is using was actually somewhat of a slimy tactic that was used by a hospital in Arkansas in order to trick employees to try to prevent them from having religious exemptions. What this hospital in Arkansas did is when they gave employees um, the religious exemption form, they tried to make employees um, promise or swear that they would never take the following medications um, like Benadryl or like, like acetaminophen, whatever it might be, that they would never take these medicines because they were also tested on fetal cell lines. So they were trying to eliminate people's religious exemptions. But if you actually look into, look into the facts of the matter, the facts of the matter are that Pfizer and Moderna were tested on fetal cell lines. They were. They absolutely were. These other medications were not tested until long after they'd been brought to the market. So the, um, there is no equivalence, essentially. To make an equivalence here is to make a false equivalence. And I just wanted to set the record straight because this was read pretty widely, um, read pretty widely over the last couple of days. So Erickson finishes up by saying, if you're upset that the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines were tested on fetal tissue cells derived from a 1970s abortion, then you shouldn't take the following. He lists the list again because they actually have more research and development involving fetal tissue lines than the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. This is my final point on here. I actually think this is a good point to make. The only way that you and I can stop Big Pharma from using the body parts of killed unborn children in the production or the testing of their products is to make sure that it's a supply and demand issue. So imagine, for example, if the Catholic Church told Big Pharma that Catholics may not get the tainted COVID-19 vaccine. What would happen? Well, I know what the left would say is that, oh, we'd be causing the death of a lot of people. How dare you advocate for Catholics and Christians not to take this, this vaccine because of that? Well, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if the Catholic Church told Big Pharma that they were gonna issue this direction to Catholics all around the globe, then Big Pharma would change. They would change what they do and how they operate because Catholics are a huge percentage of their consumers. But unfortunately, the Catholic Church is acting like a mush here. Christians around the world are actually, Christian leaders around the world are acting like a mush. They're not actually threatening Big Pharma with anything. They have no, Big Pharma has no incentive to change the way they do things because they know Catholics and Christians are just gonna find a way to justify it. They're gonna find a way to wiggle around the idea that, yeah, this vaccine is tainted with abortion. It is. 
There's no distance that you can go that's far enough away from abortion to make an abortion right. None. But that's on Catholic leaders and Christian leaders to actually play hardball and mean it with Big Pharma. Otherwise, Big Pharma's not going to change. Again, I like and respect a lot of what Eric Erickson does, but I wanted to set the record straight because I respectively strongly disagree with his take on this. On that note, the great and powerful Jay Hayes says, I'm out of time for today. Um, I will be back tomorrow. So in the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show. Please give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.